This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for January 20th, 2013. The Gospel is taken from the book of John, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. The message is by Father Ron Baird. In today's Gospel lesson, we come to Jesus' first miracle at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. It's an interesting um, story, both on a human level and then also on the supernatural level with the intervention of God in the midst of it. But if you take the story at its heart, what we have is that Jesus and his friends are invited along with his mother to a wedding in Cana, which isn't very far from Capernaum or Nazareth. Certainly you could walk there. And they go to the wedding. And now weddings in, in this time were a big deal. So particularly in a small village like this, and everybody came out and people came from surrounding villages and it was a big feast. Um, and, and everybody would, you know, they'd, they'd slaughter a calf or a goat and everybody would they'd have a cookout and, you know, there'd be a lot of wine and, and lots of goodies that everybody'd fix and they would party all day long. And so the party's going on and, and eventually they run out of wine. Now, you can imagine that that would be, they must have been drinking quite a bit. There was no wine in the entire town. They were completely empty. And so the wine steward says, I don't know what we're going to do. People haven't left yet and we're out of wine. I mean, you know, people are calling for more wine. We don't have any. And so Jesus' mother, being a good Jewish mother, says, my son can fix that. And so Jesus looks at her and says, woman, that's the Greek word, too. It's not mother. It's woman. Woman, what has this got to do with you or me? Yeah. I didn't have anything to do with this. Why are you dragging me into the midst of this? Now, it lends a couple of questions. How did Mary know that Jesus could fix it? Do you ever think about that? Do you get, do you get the impression that there have been some stuff going on at home? Obviously, she knew her son well and knew that he could take care of this. And Jesus, in his response, when he says, woman, do you think he's, um, you know, being gracious towards her? I mean, what would happen if you called your mother woman? Well, they weren't any better about it, I can guarantee you. So he's clearly not... um happy but in, in some ways it's almost like he uh, he is he could be saying do i know you <laughs> who is this lady so what has this got to do with you or me it's a party for crying out loud they're all drunk <laughs> and so being the good mother she turns to the stewards knowing that he's going to be obedient and says i'll just do whatever he asks you to do it'll be all right so jesus probably goes oh gee now, so we already know that this first miracle was perform- was initiated by who? Mom. <laughs> it's time for his coming out party. <laughs> Even though he said, yeah, my hour has not yet come, it's still time. Now, the interesting thing about this story is how did, it's only written in the Gospel of John, nowhere else. You know, the Synoptic Gospels don't have it in there. How did John know the details of this story? Well, he liked wine. 
He did, actually. But, um, but what, who, do you remember who was at the foot of the cross? John. When Jesus said, Behold your mother, um, behold your son. And, and tradition has it that John took Mary into his home and she lived with him for the rest of her days. And so you can sort of imagine in the evening, she's sort of filling in the blanks for John of these little details of things that had gone on along the way. And so John has this great story. So Jesus looks at the, the servants and says, all right, um, look, there's some jars there. Now these jars, they call them jars, but they're about that tall. I mean, they're huge. And, uh, and they were used for the, the Jewish ritual of purification. And what they would do is they'd fill up a great big, um, well, if it had whirlpools in it, it'd be a jacuzzi, but uh, it's called a mikvah that you would walk down into to become ritually clean. And so it took a lot of water to fill up this pool when they did this. And so there were six of them there, each containing between 20 and 30 gallons of, of you know, would hold 20, 30 gallons of water because obviously you'd want to have enough to fill it up. When I was Southern Baptist, they used to tell me that that was grape juice, not wine, and I always thought, who makes 150 gallons of grape juice when they run out? I mean, that just didn't happen. So here Jesus is, he says, fill them up. And so they fill them up. Not only do they fill them up, they fill them up to where they're overflowing. He says, now take some of that out and go take it to the wine steward. And so they pull some out and they take it to the wine steward. And now the wine steward's job was to make sure that he tasted whatever wine was being given out before they had a chance to drink it. You didn't want anybody getting vinegar because you know, that would taste pretty bad. And so he tastes this wine. He's like, whoa. Does anybody hear a, a wine connoisseur? What's a really, 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 really good wine? <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> $2,000 a bottle. Well, I guess if you get an eagle scream, it probably would. But... <laughs> So you get a bottle of Screaming Eagle after everybody is drunk. And, and that's what you have here. Because he says to the bridegroom, when he says, I don't understand you, you know. Most people give their good wine at the beginning and then serve the, you know, the, the rot gut stuff later when they're all drunk. Now, why do people do that? Because once you've drank, drunk enough of it, it all tastes the same to you anyway. You don't care, you're just... Drink it down. I mean, you're not, you're not enjoying it anymore. You're just drinking it. And so he says, but, but you saved the best for last. And it says that this was his first miracle in, in Cana of Galilee. Now, it lends itself to a lot of questions about what all that means, both for them today, in that time and for us today. Did the guests have a clue what had happened? Did they even know they'd gotten really good wine? So the way we think of miracles, you know, like Charlton Heston standing there, you know, spreading the Red Sea or something, it wouldn't have been that dramatic, would it? For most of the people there, they didn't know. Probably they ran down to the liquor store and got a bottle of wine. But in this case, there were 150 gallons of wine, at least, to a bunch of people who already had too much. Thank goodness they didn't drive cars. And so I bet a lot of people spent the night. And so here they are passing out this really good wine that nobody knows about. And it, it lends some questions for us today. When Jesus says, um, woman, what has this got to do with you or me? Now, 
the commandment says, honor your father and your mother. If you called your mother woman, do you think she would consider that honoring her? But so Jesus sinned, huh? Well, this gets complicated, doesn't it? (laughs) Jesus is without sin, but he says, woman, what else could be going on there? See, all too often we only see things with, without the, without having been there, without the twinkle in your eye. <laughs> no, not culturally. You call a woman somebody who's not your relative. Um, let me give you an example of what it can go. Um, one of the great things about being married for a long time is that when you've been married a long time, you only have certain fights. I mean, there's only two or three that everybody has. And and you know how they end if you've been married long enough because they have always ended that way. They're going to end that way until, you know, the end of time. And so the great thing about it is if you stay married long enough and get through that, you can skip right to the end. You don't have to go through all the painful part in the middle because it's going to end up that way anyway. And, you know, one of the things that Judy and I thought about all the time when we first got married is that... I, I'm not one of these husbands who thinks that it's the wife's obligation to do the laundry. But I'm married to a woman who does. Um, And so she doesn't want me doing the laundry. Not even mine. I mean, that's just the way it is. You have your job, I have mine. All right. The only problem with it is, is that she isn't necessarily as uptight about whether or not I have clean underwear as I am. And so I would say, you know, in a few days, I'm going to be out of underwear. Okay, I'll get to that. And the day would go by and go, you know, I got like two pair left. And okay, I'll get to that. The next day, I have, you know, this last pair, I got none left. Everything. Okay, I'll get to that. And then the next day, I get up and I go in and no underwear. So we used to have knockdown, drag out battles about this. It drove me crazy. And, and then what she did was she did wash it sometimes. But the problem is that then she hides it. Anybody else here have a wife that does that? Hides the laundry? She says, well, I'm not hiding it in her defense. She says, I I, I don't want it to be sitting in the middle of the dining room table if anybody comes over. So I'm putting it out of the way. My only problem is that she doesn't always put it out of the way at the same place. So it migrates. And I never really know where it had migrated to. So I guess I could wander through the house, you know, buck naked looking for my underwear. But if it's downstairs hidden somewhere, that's difficult because we have windows that are right there in the front side. So after a year or so of fighting about this and having nothing change, um, we saw a movie called The Incredibles. Anybody seen The Incredibles? It's about superheroes. And there's this one fella in there who's the friend of the main character in the movie who's also a superhero. When they come out of retirement, these superheroes, so this guy says he's going to go out and be a superhero again. And he goes rummaging through all of his drawers, and he's looking, he's looking, he can't find his, his, his superhero outfit. And so he goes, woman, where's my super suit? <laughs> so now, if I can't find my underwear, I go, woman, where's my super suit? Now, is that meant to be mean to her or anything? No, it's based on the movie. It's so that we can skip to the end of the, the discussion. And I suspect that Jesus, when he says woman to his mother, was probably teasing very much like that. Because I suspect that Mary had on occasion, <laughs> given that Jesus was like 30, 
had meddled in his life. I know it's hard for you to imagine a mother doing that, but uh, <laughs> but had you know sort of tried to give him direction on, on the way things ought to be. And so probably what happened was that whenever that happened, they had this little thing going to him. He'd say, woman, <laughs> and they would go back and forth. But on a, on a bigger level, it tells us something about the way God works in the world. You know, it's a season of epiphany when we're called to look for the manifestations of God in our life. And all too often, when we look for God's manifestation in our life, we look for, like, really big deals. You know, like floating cars or something. I mean, something that's, you know, so overwhelming that nobody could miss it. And yet here, this first miracle that revealed the glory of God, according to the Scriptures, does nothing that would ever make a headline, does it? I mean, nobody would ever pay attention to that. And even if it did, everybody would go, oh, it's some kind of trick or something. I mean, nobody would pay attention. Oftentimes, that's the way the miracles of God really work. They go on in the background. We don't even see them happening. You know, a lot of times, the very miracles, some of which may have saved your life, you may never have known even happened. And all too often, what we do is we focus on us and our immediate circumstances and and how difficult our life is. But we don't see the greater glory. I don't know if anybody was up early. Anybody up at dawn this morning? Happen to look outside? Seven? Yeah, there was a... Um, did you have notice the sky? The sun was, was just starting to come up, and the, the sky was just this amazing blue color, and there was this cloud, that really high cirrus cloud, that stretched across the sky, and, and it was in purples and reds and oranges and all sorts of colors. Now, that's a miracle, I mean, I don't care what anybody says. I, I, you know, can we explain it? Well, I guess, yeah, you can talk about ice crystals and the light of the sun reflecting off of the atmosphere of the earth and all that sort of thing. But if you can stop for a minute and notice the little things that are going on, you begin to see that there are miracles every day. Things that are going on behind the scenes. You know, it's that old saying that miracles are where God prefers to remain anonymous. Also called coincidences. But they happen all the time. But all too often, we aren't willing to count them unless they're big, big deals. And even then, we may not. We may choose not to believe it. I've always been amazed at people who, particularly scholars, who want to read this thing and say, you know, there is no way that this really happened. This was just a parlor trick, you know, and, you know, water can't change to wine. Alchemy doesn't work and all that. And I'm sitting here going... Let's see, you got a guy who was born of a virgin who died and on the third day rose from the dead and ascended bodily into heaven. And you're having a problem with water turning into wine? I mean, if you don't believe it, why are you even paying attention? I mean, it would be so absurd. And yet there we are with this happening, with the, the party being saved and Jesus being right in the midst of it. Just a little thing behind the scenes. The other thing that we have to look at is whether or not we're willing to be a part of what's going on. What would have happened to Mary if Jesus said, what are you talking about? I don't have any wine. 
She was said, you know, the, the, the Kroger's is closed. <laughs> I can't go get any. I don't, I don't know what you mean. And and nothing would have happened. Or what would have happened if when he said to the servants, go and fill these jars up with water. And they'd say, why? Just because. And then he didn't say, by the way, look, it's wine now. He didn't, didn't say you went anywhere near it, by the way. It says after they filled it up, he tells them to draw some of the water out and take it to the steward. Now, if you were the servant, would you have wanted to do that? You want me to take him water? Are you crazy? And yet the participation, the willingness of people to do the little things, none of which greatly impacted them, are what changed everything. And then finally we have to take a look at what the miracle does. What were the characteristics of this miracle? What kind of wine did he make? Screaming eagle. The best wine. And even more so, how much of it did he make? You know, enough to take a bath in. More than we could ever ask for or imagine. Abundantly. And it was abundant then, not only in quantity, but it was abundant in quality. And then there comes what the wine steward tells us about these miracles. And that's when he calls the bridegroom to him. And he said, most people serve the best at the beginning and serve the inferior wine later, but you have saved the best for last. That tells us something about God. When you focus on the world the way it is now, you're missing out on the fact that God is saving the best for last. And it's not that none of those things are happening. They're happening all around. But if we don't stop, if we don't take time to look for them and to appreciate them, how would we even know if the best came? We'd be very much like the drunken partygoers who it was just another cup of wine. Rather than seeing the abundance of a loving God that can pour out upon us. So, all too often when we see these miracles, we only see them in terms of how they impact us personally. Now, how did that miracle impact me?